Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. It's good to see you guys, by the way. Didn't get to see you yet. Um, This community is pretty good. And I want to encourage you, if you're new tonight, um, however you got here, first, we're just glad you're here. And uh, I hope that you will take the uh, necessary steps to plug in here and be a part and experience even just a taste of what she was talking about tonight. It's also interesting, um, if you hang around long enough, it's possible you could find a spouse. I'll try that again. If you hang around long enough, it might be possible that you could find a spouse. Come on. Now, let me say, it's not a guarantee, nor is it really encouraged, but I'm just saying it's possible. Um, I say that because, uh, actually, believe it or not, I met my wife here. I didn't meet her at Underground. We hadn't started it yet, but I met my wife here at this church, and a uh, uh, cool story, just for fun. Um, I met her at this church, but I really, you know how when you see someone and you say hi to someone, and that's one thing, and then you actually talk to them, and, and then you can say you met them? So that experience happened actually at Lone Star College. Um, I was walking down the hallway, and Sarah just looked young. She still does. She still looks real young. Yeah, great. But she, she looked extra young when I first met her. And I, I'm walking down the hallway at Lone Star, and I, and I see her sitting down in the hallway. Now, granted, remember, I had, I had seen her and, and, and just said hi to her one time for the first time here at this church. And then all of a sudden, I'm walking down Lone Star, and I see her sitting right there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there she is. That's so cool. And I wasn't, like, in love with her yet. All right, come on, relax. But I was like, okay, like, she's cute. I didn't think there were any real girls out there. And I found one. This is great. Just kidding. And uh, so my first thing, because, you know, when you meet someone, you're, you're still, like, a little nervous, right? And so the first thing I said was, aren't you in high school? Because I, I just was connecting dots in my head, right? And then sometimes stupid stuff comes out. So I came out, well, then we started talking. I'm gonna speed the story up so I can get to the good stuff. But we, we started talking and, and we're hanging out and I realized that we were sitting in front of the same room getting ready to go to class. You connected the dots here? And I'm thinking, this is awesome. Like God ordained, divine moment. We're gonna be in the same class. I'm gonna have to study harder. That's okay. She's gonna see the good me. This is gonna be awesome. And so we walk into the class and we sit down and the, the professor writes on the board the name of the class. And in an instant, my heart sunk because I realized I was in the wrong room. <laughs> and so I looked at her and I said, <laughs> I gotta go, have a good day. And that was it, and then we got married. So that's pretty cool. Uh, anything can happen, let me just tell you. Anything can happen. Uh, my name's Chad, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the pastor here at Underground particularly, and we're glad you're here. I hope you got one of these when you walked in. If you didn't, you can grab one on your way out or go grab one now, but these little notebooks were given to you tonight for free. Uh, going forward, we're gonna sell them over there in our, our merch store. Did y'all like that? I see a bunch of shirts and hats and all kind of cool stuff, so that's great. Rocket, that's awesome. Uh, I told Candace we should have charged a lot more, but hey, whatever. All good. So we're going to start a new series tonight. And uh, the series is going to be on relationships. Now, not too long ago, a little while ago, we did a series called Uncovered, pulling back the sheets on dating, sex, and marriage. And what I want to do with this particular series, because it's been a while, if you just heard that and you're like, well, wait a minute, I didn't, I missed that. Where was, where's that? It's online. You can go catch it, listen to it, watch it, whatever. But this series, what I want to focus on is I want to talk about godly men, godly women, how to find that kind of person. And tonight we're going to start with you. Okay, because the best place we can start is with us. Now to do this, this is going to be exciting. We're going to use the book of Ruth. 
Now, if you've ever studied the book of Ruth, you're going to find out this is uh, an incredible book that every time you go through it, you're going to discover new truths. If you've never studied this book before, you are in for a real treat because I think this is going to come to life for you. Tonight, we're going to just focus on five verses. How cool is that? Five verses. But we're going to begin this journey talking about relationships. Now, I do want to say one thing. I always like to give a little caveat whenever I do some form of a relationship series because, first of all, most of you that have been around long enough, you don't like it when I do it. Uh, Because I tell you things you don't like to hear. You'd rather me say, oh, yeah, just pick one, make sure she's hot, it'll be great. And I don't say that junk because that's not how it works in the real world. So I'm going to be honest with you and let you know that sometimes uh, I'm not going to softly step around your mess. I'm going to step right in the middle of it, and I'm going to let you know what you need to know. But it's coming from the heart of a pastor that truly does love you, care about you, and cares about your future. So please hear that. Write that down in your notebook so you remember, you know, maybe in two weeks when I say something, you're like, how dare you say that to me? I gave you a warning. Second thing I want to say is uh, when we're navigating these types of seasons in life, in a room like this, especially tonight, what a great crowd that's here, uh, there's all kinds of different stages. Some of you are sitting next to your bae, which is awesome. Others of you are sitting next to someone you hoped's going to be your bae, and it just got awkward. And others of you are here because you're just desperate for a bae. But however you're looking at We're in different seasons here together. And so what I'm going to say to you is is I would highly recommend that you come together, but then I'd highly apologize for all the things that I'm going to say that will make it very uncomfortable sitting next to each other and particularly on the drive home. I would highly recommend you set up some coffee dates probably right afterwards so that you can talk out some of the things that we're talking about. Because again, our goal here is not to tickle your ears and make you feel good. Our goal is to help you make progress in this area of your life. What does bay mean? I didn't know this, to be honest with you. I always just come up with catchy titles that were cool. Well, I realized it actually has an an acronym. It's before anyone else. And I heard that, and I was like, oh, that's golden, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Because if you're finding someone that's before anyone or everyone else, we got a big problem. Because who's number one? God. God should be number one in your life. If he's not, everything else is set up for a disaster. Just trust me. Some of you already know this. And so even though I don't actually like it because there's an issue there, we're gonna, we're gonna translate it this way. When we say bay or before anyone else, we're referencing before any other human. So when you get married, your, your relationship as a married person, some of you are like, I, I just wanted to come and laugh a little bit. This is real serious. Wasn't planning on getting married, having six kids. Uh, That's not what I wanted to do. Um, when you get to this point in your life, what you're going to realize is marriage, your spouse, it will be the most intimate relationship, human relationship you will ever have. There will be no one, not even your parents, that will know you the way your spouse will know you. Okay? And so when we talk about finding someone that's before all other humans, we say that because marriage is that type of relationship. Now, some of you are like, why are you talking about marriage? I thought we were going to talk about relationships. Well, listen, if you aren't in a relationship Because they're a potential for marriage, you're doing something that we like to call in the theological world called wasting your time. You are wasting your time, right? Now, it doesn't mean you can't be around, hang around people, get to know people, all all that's great. But if you are in a relationship with someone that is not going anywhere, you're wasting each other's time, and I would beg you to not do that. And I've already said six things not in my notes, so let's reel it in here so we can actually finish tonight. The Book of Ruth. I want you to open to chapter one, verse one. If you don't have it, you pull it on your phone. Hopefully you charged your Bible. And if all else fails, it'll be up on this screen behind you. 
I'm gonna go ahead and read the five verses so that you'll all go, how in the world is he gonna talk about relationships? And then I can unpack this for you and it's gonna be good. If you're a note taker, you will enjoy this. I have many points. If you're a note taker, you also may not enjoy it because I'll probably forget half of them just for time's sake. But hey, we'll roll with this together. Ruth chapter one, verse number one. Are you ready? Let's go. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Verse 2. The name of the man was... I knew I was going to do that. Thank you, Stocky. I'm just going to point to you every time. One more time. Are you sitting next to a girlfriend? Awkward. Just kidding. That was so mean. I'm so... Sorry, Sarah. Forgive me. Uh... This is a place of imperfect people, everyone. We're a hospital, not a perfect place. Elimelech. And the name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Molan and Chilion. They were Ephrites and from Bethlehem and Judea. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. Everything just got real sad. They took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. That's the main character in our story as we unfold this in weeks to come. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died so that the women were left without, the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. She lost her husband and her two sons, right? This is an incredible relationship talk we are about to have right here. I hope you're ready. Let's unpack this. Here's point number one. Don't doubt in the drought. Don't doubt in the drought. Okay, let's let this sink in for a minute. Sink in for a minute, okay? Let me read this little part of verse one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Let's pause, okay? The time of the judges in biblical history, the time of the judges was actually a terrible time for the people of Israel, for God's chosen people at this time in history. It was a time of rebellion, obedience, rebellion, obedience, rebellion, obedience. It was a cycle that went back and forth, typically about every seven years, almost on the dot. And so what God did in this time period was to raise up men and women that served as judges. Now, we know judges as a political element, but back in biblical times here, they would have had a political and a spiritual type of uh, influence on these people, almost like a pastor to an extent, but they had great influence, and God would use these judges to help guide the people back into obedience, and in the obedience, they could move forward, but like all of us and like humans, about seven years later, they'd fall back into disobedience, and we'd have a problem. Within that time, what God would do as part of his response to the disobedience of his people is there would be a famine that would come across the land. Now, when the famine would come, it would come in different shapes or forms, but one of the key elements that would happen is there would often be some form of a drought connected to it to help that famine to actually happen. In the time of the drought and in the time of the famine, the point was God was disciplining. Don't miss this. God disciplines you and I not because he hates us, but because he loves us, right? You remember when you were growing up, maybe today, your parents disciplined you. I don't know, that'd be weird. But your parents disciplined you, right? And of course, you felt like they hated you. You felt like they didn't care about you. They were just here to torture you, to make your life miserable. Some of you are like, amen, this is the greatest place ever. That's exactly what I've been thinking. But actually, I'm going to tell you that their discipline for you was actually a gift because they wanted to take care of you. 
They wanted to help you. They saw you headed for a, a, a cliff, and they wanted to guide you back away from that cliff into the happiness of life. God disciplines his children. God disciplines you and I. It's not because he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us. So God is disciplining the people of Israel in hopes that he could bring them back to a place of obedience. Now, what in the world does this have to do with you and I? Well, here's the thing. There are some of you in this room. Don't say amen. Don't raise your hand in this moment because it might be weird. There are some of you in this room that are single. Some of you needed more coffee. There's coffee out in the front. You should grab some on your way in next time. All of you in this room are single because you're not married. I think pretty much everyone here. Now listen, some of you though are in a place of singleness where there's not a bae or a babe or whatever you want to call them sitting next to you. And you may have been in that season for a little while and all of a sudden you start saying things like, I feel like I'm in a drought. I feel alone, abandoned. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. He dated her. Seriously? Just don't say that. And we get in this season and we start to think about what we don't have. And we get upset. We get frustrated. And sometimes we'll even get frustrated with God. What I want to say to you, lovingly but with great sincerity, some of us in this season that have caught ourselves saying and thinking some of these things need to work on not whining about the season we're in but trying to discover the reason why. It's very possible the reason that you are still single is because you are not ready for the next phase. In fact, it's very possible that you are the problem. Congratulations. Now, when I say you are the problem, I'm not saying it's how you look. I'm not saying it's anything that's been given to you by birth or by God. What I'm saying to you is there may be areas of your life that are immature. There may be areas of your life that need some work. There may be the area of you drawing close to the Lord so that when you're walking with him, knowing you're walking with him, that spouse that then sees you, kids say, or that potential spouse can see you and go, man, if he's chasing after the Lord like that, I will follow him. Let's do this. Sign me up. But what happens is a lot of girls look at these guys and they go, that fool's not following anything but culture or his own ways. Why in the world would I stand at an altar in front of all of my friends and family and say, I will follow you wherever you lead me if you can't even handle yourself? So for some of us, it's not the way you look or even the things that you, how your voice sounds or anything like that, how tall or short you are or any of that. It's simply that you haven't taken those necessary steps to be ready to step into a manly relationship or a womanly relationship. I don't know if that's a word, we'll roll with it. So for some of us, it's us. But in the season of singleness, we get caught in the doubt and we start doubting that God wants to take care of us. Now, here's what I'm going to say to you. Not every single person in the world is going to get married. But if God has, for whatever reason, decided that that will be you, that you will get to live like Jesus and not get married, not a bad thing, God is going to make you okay with that. You will not yearn for what everyone else has and you don't. God will actually give it to you almost as a gift, as a spiritual gift. And really what you're going to do, but you're going to be polite about it, you're going to walk through life and you're like, look at all these jokers having to get extra money and work extra jobs, take care of their family. I am just doing my thing, serving the Lord, going wherever I want. I need to go to Africa to serve here. I need to go this side of the globe. I need to do this. I need to wake up at 2 a.m. to go do this. No problem because I am my own person. If God calls you into that, which is not many, but a select few, to be like Jesus and to be single while you live this earth, he will give you peace about it. So for everyone else that doesn't have this 
desire to be single, I can say to you, if you will take care of yourself, if you align yourself up with the Lord, I could be confident that at some point, as a child of God who he loves and wants to take care of and has a plan for you, he's going to provide that. But some of you, some of you, not me anymore because I'm married, so that's why I'm saying you, not trying to be mean. Some of you got some work to do. And don't let that work that needs to be done keep you stranded in the time of a drought. We're stretching that a little bit. Here's number two. Don't force your own way. Don't force your own way. Let's read a little bit more of the verse. And a man in Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn the country of Moab. So he left Bethlehem with his family and he went to a place named Moab. Now this is great. Bethlehem, the name can be translated house of bread. House of bread. Moab was referred to by God in scriptures back in Deuteronomy as a wash pot or dirty, if you want a simpler translation. So this man left his family who were experiencing the famine in Bethlehem, but ironic that it would be known as the house of bread. He left this place where the famine was, went to a godless country in Moab where there were no believers, there was no people of God. He took his family to this place. Why? Because he was trying to get a solution to the famine. Anything wrong with that? No. He wanted to take care of his family, but here's the problem. God was using the famine to do what? to discipline his children. He was using the famine to discipline his children. God wanted his people to know, listen, if you're not going to be obedient, there are consequences that come with it. But what did he do? He ran from the consequences. He ran from the discipline and found an easy way out. Now, I'm not saying to you in any way, shape, or form, your singleness is part of punishment or discipline. That's between you and the Lord, I don't know. But I will say this. There are some of you in the room that catch yourself trying to do it your own way because it's not happening in the time in which you would have it to be. What does that look like? Well, some of us will step into a relationship way too soon and way too quickly. We almost have this desperation mode. There's a guy, he doesn't look scary, I'm in, let's go. Who are you? We're going to coffee and you're paying, okay? And, and so we jump in and we're not, we're not taking our time, we're not asking the Lord to guide us, we're not using our good accountability and our, our community to help walk with us as we do this journey, but we're so uneasy about this and in the drought and we just jump head first and we find ourselves oftentimes in trouble. And I won't ask you all to raise your hand, but I would probably guess most of us could say maybe that happened once or 10 times, maybe even right now. The other part of this is we don't only just jump in too fast, we jump in with someone that isn't good for us. We lower our standards. We lower our standards. Because in the drought, we begin to doubt. And we feel like, I, I need to make this happen. I need to make this happen. So, you know what? They look like a nice, he opened the door for the old lady. That, that was really sweet. I think there's potential here. We can make this happen. We can, sorry to the guy that just walked in the door at this moment. <laughs> I think this will work. And so you'll do something that a lot of people will think they can do. Hey, you know what? He or she's not a believer in Christ, but we'll make it work. Right? We'll figure it out. And some of you, some of you Bible, Bible people are going, wait a minute, I know this story. Ruth came from that place, Moab. 
And she's going to find the love of her life. So therefore, just like in that story, I bet you I can lead him or her to Christ. It's going to be beautiful. We could talk about it at our wedding day that all this happened. And here's what I'm going to say to you. It is possible, but usually highly unlikely. It's possible. I don't want to be foolish and say that. And I've heard good stories that it's happened. But it is so risky. It's so risky. Why is it risky? Because let's just say you end up moving forward in relationship and and he hasn't come, let's say she, she hasn't become a believer yet, but you're hopeful. So you go ahead and you jump in and you get married and you're moving forward and you realize, man, this isn't changing. Like she's still not coming to the Lord. I really thought this was going to happen, right? You get married, you mature, you do all the right things, right? Isn't that what's supposed to happen? And it's not happening. And you're beginning to get frustrated. You're beginning to wonder, what do I do? What's this going to look like? And then all of a sudden you go, hey, we have three kids now. And I want to try to raise them right. I, I want to teach them values and morals. And I want to take them to church. And, and then all of a sudden he's like, uh, no. Or she's like, no. And, and I don't care if he goes out and does that or she goes out and does that because that doesn't bother me. I don't have the same standards that you do. And all of a sudden life just got really difficult. See that? So it's risky. It's risky. But here's the second thing. Sometimes it happens, and some of you know this because you did it. Sometimes it happens that you helped someone get closer to the Lord, and you're feeling good, and it looks legitimate, and sometimes it is. I remember for me, let me just give you a story. The last girl that I dated before I met my wife, Sarah, uh, we met before I was really walking with the Lord, and I remember we both, well, I had a radical life change, and she kind of tagged along, you know what I'm talking about? And, and she started going to church and started serving and, and he's even having these, these prayer times and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, we both have had this radical life change. This is great, but you know what happened? As soon as we broke up, best I can tell, she'd never set foot in church again. Why? Why? Best I can tell. Because it was wrapped up in me. Sure, she did those things, and I'm sure it was out of the kindness of her heart, and she meant it. I don't think she was trying to be some, some fake person here, but the reality was her relationship with God wasn't really a relationship with God. It was connected through me, and as soon as I came out of the picture, what was left wasn't real. And so you may help someone get a little bit closer. You may help them start coming to church or whatever. But when you get down the road, what you're going to realize is that their walk with God is not just wrapped up in him. It's wrapped up with you as well. And as soon as you come out of the equation, guess what? There's a huge void and it usually falls apart. And we don't want to do that to each other because we love each other way too much. Listen, if your relationship with God is not so firm that it can be you and him against the world, you're going to struggle because at some point it's going to be you and him against the world, even if it is just for a season. So we have to watch this. We have to be careful. And so we want to be careful that we don't force our way in. Here's number three. Live like your name. Live like your name. Do you know what his name meant? His name meant God is my king. God is my king. And yet he moved to a place that would be described as godless because there were no one of the people of God living there. He began to live a lifestyle that lined up with them, not his own. And guess what? He went there to avoid the famine, but as soon as the famine was over, which wasn't very long, guess what? He stayed 10 more years. He didn't come home. Have you ever seen anyone begin to slip and they think, oh, I'm not really slipping. It's just a few steps. I'm going to be okay. And next thing you know, they're gone. Maybe that was your story at some point. His name was God is my king. 
And yet he led his people down a path of disaster. His family, the leader of his house, he led them down a path of disaster. Listen to me, you have to be so careful. You need to know that you have a name. Yes, you have a first name and a last name and a middle name and a couple other initials depending on how you grew up. But listen, your name as a Christian is child of God. You get that? Child of God. And so because of that, unfortunately, I'm sorry, there's a higher standard that's called of you and I. Right? I wish it was easier, but it's not. It's the way it is. But that standard is there for you and I to walk in. And God says, I have made you my child, so live like that name means something. You matter. Did you know that? You matter. God didn't just make you, create you uniquely and with purpose because he loves you, but he also came back and redeemed you so that you could be free from sin because he loves you. And he makes you one of his children. But there's a lot of us that claim the name but live like that name means nothing. And that's such a problem. It's such a problem. And this was his struggle. Where are all the guys? I want all the guys to stand up really quick. Stand up. I'm not going to make you dance. Just stand up. Listen. I'm about to yell at you. Just kidding. You have the toughest job in a relationship. Because God's called you to be the leader. And let's be honest. Some of us, if we look in the mirror, I won't point you out. You're not ready to lead yet. And that may hurt, but for the betterment of your life and your family, you've got to rise to the level that God has called you to live before you can step into that relationship with her. It's serious. When you get married, God's gonna call you to lead your family. You know what's gonna happen? Your wife's gonna go, well, babe, this is what I think we should do, but hey, it's your choice, so have fun. And she's gonna duck while you gotta take the swings from God because you made the wrong decision. The ladies, we talk about submission, they don't like it, but the truth is they have the easiest job because all they have to do is defer to you. You and I are the ones that have to stand before God and say, hey, I, I, I did my best to lead my family, but I maybe made some mistakes along the way. Well, why'd you make those mistakes? Because I stepped in before I was ready. Man, you are a man of God. I'll tell you something else. Here in this place, we need you to help make this place safe. We need you to help make this place safe. The ladies of this ministry, whether they've been here for 10 years or one year, they should be able to walk in here and not have to worry about some bozo trying to chase them down his own desires. This should be a safe place. That doesn't mean you can't get in relationships here. Man, if every one of you got married to each other and it was good, um, <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I, like, I'm okay with that. But listen to me. If, if we are worried about girls being able to come in here, young ladies being able to come in here because we're not sure we can trust the men here, we have a problem. That's the problem with our culture. Man, God said, I need my men to live differently. My children, I need them to live differently. And you can't do it. But that's the call he's given you. 
Culture could care less about these girls. But God says, I care. That's my daughter. And I have placed you here to help her feel safe, to be encouraged, and in shame on you. If you allow one of our girls to slip further in their own life because of you. That's not me. I'm, look, I'm a nobody. You're going to answer to God. So you be careful. Be careful. Here's the thing. Some of you are like, oh, I'll never date another person here. I just, <laughs> that'll be easy. But listen, if you're walking with the Lord, you ain't got to worry about it. Because you're not going to make those mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. But you're never going to treat a girl like that because you're going to see her the way God sees her. It's a high standard, but you can do it. Have a seat. Ladies, your turn. Ladies, stand up. We've got some tall guys in here. This is is good. Some of y'all need to stand on a chair. I'm just kidding. Listen. You. Listen to me. Listen to me. You are loved. I need you to know that. You are absolutely loved. Forget this place. I hope we do it well, but you're loved by God. I don't care what your parents did. I don't care what your uncle did, your grandpa did. I don't don't care. And I'm sorry that most of the girls in our world have to grow up not feeling safe around men. I'm sorry about that. But I want you to know you're loved. I want you to know that the relationship decisions you make, they matter, but they're your decisions. And we can yell at the men all day long because a lot of times it's them. But if we could be honest, it's not always. You got to do your part. Ladies, you got to live in a way that honors God. That he could look down from heaven and say, that's my daughter. I'm so proud of her. I love what she wears. I love the way she talks. I love the way she conducts herself and moves her. I love the way she does that because she honors me. Listen, I got a daughter. I see the world differently now, real different. And I look at this and I go, man, some of you fools ain't going to ever get around. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I think of this and I go, man, look, I can't expect my daughter to live differently if she's not taught something different. And I, and I can't speak for what your dad didn't say to you or maybe he said and you weren't listening. That happens sometimes, we could be honest. But what I can tell you is God says, I can show you everything you need to see. I will give you everything that you need. You don't need a man to be fulfilled. You don't need a man. We're losers. We're <laughs> sinful, imperfect. I mean, if my wife was here, she'd be going, hey, man, keep it up. That's great. You're rocking it. This is great. Keep it going. Because there is no guy on the planet that will ever live up to the standard that you deserve. But God says, you wait. Don't get impatient. Don't doubt in the drought. You wait because there is someone out there. And if it's not happening, be patient. Keep working on you developing you draw close to me God say so that I can bring you in and I can bring you home and you can stand at the altar and look at that guy that man not boy and say I will follow you wherever you go God loves you we love you but God loves you live in a way that honors that you can be seated 
children of God. Last point. Sometimes, this is when it gets awkward, sometimes to lose is gain. All the single people are like, yeah, amen. Dump that food, don't matter to me. Sometimes to lose is gain. Okay, now let's get serious for a minute because I want to connect this carefully. What happens to Naomi? Well, she loses her husband, who did lead her astray, but she loses her husband. She also loses her two boys, her two sons. That's what will set up our story in the coming weeks for Ruth to be without a husband, and she's going to eventually find a man. It's going to be good. But here's Naomi without a husband and without her two boys, and that's a tragedy. No one deserves that. I don't wish that on anyone. Please hear me. But do you know what happened after that? She went back to Bethlehem. She went back to where God's people were. Sometimes to lose in the end actually is to gain. And so maybe, maybe there are some of you here in a relationship that if you would break up, it would be for your gain. Not all of you. Don't freak out. You can come back next week. Maybe after week three, you might not want to, but you can come back next week. <laughs> but for some of us, listen, it's not because that person, listen, I tell you all this. I've said it before. If you're new, you haven't heard. If Sarah, my wife, had met me four years earlier, you know what she'd have been doing? She wouldn't have been saying, sure, I'll go out with you to Sonic. She would have been saying, yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> she would have been saying, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> that God might change all of this because there's some serious problems. I was jacked up from the floor up. All right, and if she had met me four years prior, it would have been horrible. And I'm telling you what, we wouldn't have got married because she, listen, lady, she had her head on her shoulders. She didn't mess around with no fool. If he wasn't walking with the Lord, he wasn't walking with her. If he's not walking with the Lord, he shouldn't be walking with you. That's free. You can write that down later. <laughs> For some of us, it's not because that person doesn't matter. It's not because that person isn't a good person. Listen, it's because that person isn't ready and you deserve the best. Listen, there is no better time to be selfish in your life than when you are trying to find your spouse. You don't, you don't go, well, I know I really should break up with him, but I think I'm going to endure because I just don't want to hurt his feelings. That is the worst place you could be. What, what if Sarah was like, oh, he is a total loser, but, you know, he wants to go to Sonic, so why don't I go and I'll just linger a little bit and we'll just see if, you know, and then eventually I'm going to get rid of him because I sure can't marry that. But would that have helped anybody? No, Right? I say all that because, by the way, four years later, things change, okay? In case you didn't notice, all right? Things get, get better. So for those of you that get dumped tonight, I'm sorry, but listen, it's okay. There's hope for you on the other side, but let it be a reminder that maybe there's some work to do. And listen, you're going to be angry, and maybe it doesn't happen. I think it will, but maybe it won't happen. But I'm just saying, when you get angry, I want you to remember, a couple months from now, when you look back and you go, you know what? That was the hardest thing that ever happened to me, but it was the best thing that ever happened because it made me get serious about my life. And I think everybody wins if that's the case. So, here's what I'm going to say. One more time. Ladies, stand up for one second. It won't be long. Just one second. 
I'm gonna teach you a phrase. I'm gonna teach you a phrase, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be so good. This could change your life. If he causes you to backtrack, pack your backpack, okay? Now, we're going to practice this together, okay? If he causes me to backtrack, go ahead, me to backtrack, I'm going to pack my backpack. Now, say it to the girl, next, not the guy yet, that's later tonight. Say it to the girl next to you, and I want you to tell her, if he causes you to backtrack, pack your backpack. Boom. Okay, sit down. Guys, stand up. Guys, stand up. Ladies, y'all can sit down. Gentlemen, I'm going to teach you a phrase that's going to change your life. If she causes you to backtrack, pack your backpack. Y'all want to try it? That was deep, right? You thought it was going to be something. No, that was deep. Okay, let's practice. You ready? If she causes me to backtrack, I'm going to backtrack. This is a song. Are you writing this down? This is a song. <laughs> Sit down. Y'all gonna be seeing it in the car. <laughs> Drop the beat, let's do it. Just keep down shit. All right. Enough fun. Listen, tonight was about one thing. It was about us looking in the mirror before we can look forward. Okay? Really important. Finding your person, you're before anyone else, finding your bay, it can be a wonderful journey. Okay, or a painful process. And I just wish joy for you. I do. So the best thing in relationships we can do is start at ground zero with honest truth. Because we love God and we love each other. God loves you. Every one of you, guys, girls, he loves you. He has named you as a Christian. He's named you child of God. Live worthy of the name. Protect yourself. 